Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline Destrems, and today I'm excited to launch this new series to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by my company, Another Handed Advantage. And today I'd like to introduce my very first guest, uh, Tammany Sheldon from Arizona's Children Association and Chris Jacober from Arizona Friends of Foster Children Foundation. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for being here and for kicking off this show with me. Thank you. (laughs) So I actually wanted to just start off by saying kind of the reason I have you both on today and wanted to shine the spotlight on foster care and how businesses can help give back in the community is this is kind of full circle for me. Several years ago, for about four years, I worked in the foster care, worked for a foster care agency, did marketing in that arena, and I do miss it. But this was actually one of the reasons that I left because I thought, you know, going out on my own and starting my own marketing business, it's a really great way for me to help those um, agencies and other businesses out there kind of shine shine the spotlight on them. So here we are full circle a few years later and here I am. And um, let's go ahead and get started with you, um, Tamani. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and Arizona's Children Association? Sure. I uh, collectively have been in the child welfare world for about 11 years since the time I decided to stop and get my degree. I've been with Arizona's Children Association for almost six years, currently in the role as the program director, that essentially within the program of foster care and adoption. So I'm working with the foster families, the staff working with the foster families, really trying to make sure that we're creating a space that's safe for the kids. Great. Thank you. And Chris? So I was a foster mom for about 15 years. And during that time, this job at Arizona Friends of Foster Children Foundation opened up and uh, it's my dream job. So, um, you know, just there's a lot of, well, let me just back up and say this. 24 kids are going to come into foster care today and tomorrow and the next day. And I've just always have felt like our community has responsibility because when the state takes custody, okay, they're like your parents. And so that our community has a responsibility to step in and make sure that every day something happens for a good for a kid in foster care. And so I've always felt like that was the role of Arizona Friends. And so I'm in my dream job. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. So let's go back just kind of start from the basics here. Let's talk a little bit about, you You did mention 24 kids uh, today will be going into foster care. What does that look like? And maybe, Tamani, can you speak to that a little bit? What What does that look like for those children that are coming into foster care? What are some of the reasons that they are coming into foster care? Because I think there are some myths surrounding that, especially when it comes to the teens that are in foster care. Definitely. Most kids come into foster care with a tagline for neglect. So there's been some reason why the state has deemed that they're no no longer safe in their home. And they usually use that tagline for as neglect. So that can encompass uh, parents aren't supervising well enough. That can encompass drug use, a whole host of different things, mental health issues. When those children come into foster care, though, they are taken with very little 
usually out of their homes. They're brought to what we call the placement center most times. And at that point, then a placement is located for them, a foster home that's available and and able to take the age range of the child that's in that placement center. That's when they're able to meet the new parents that essentially will act as their parents for the next however long the child is in care. It's a very scary situation for kids. Mm -hmm. It just is. They don't come with anything usually. And what they do come with sometimes is too small or is dirty or there may have been bed bugs in the home. There's there's a whole list of things that could impact how much of the children's stuff they're able to actually bring with them. Mm-hmm. I think for me with foster parents, one of the things that I recognize when I'm talking to them and, and helping prepare them for this is that so many times foster parents are really excited and they're very, very, very gung-ho, ready to go. They can't wait to have a kid in their home. And the thing you have to remember is that that child's not going to be excited to be in your home. They're not going to be happy to see you. They don't know you. You're a stranger. And so just really recognizing some of those realities for the foster parents that you are there to be kind of a soft place for a child to land, but that child's not going to be grateful or or glad to be there to land softly in your home because they're really wanting that from their family. Mm And do you think then that's where a lot of those misconceptions come from, especially when teens come into care? Because they can have a lot bigger of an opinion than, say, a a three-year-old or a four-year-old that comes into care. Definitely where it starts. Mm -hmm. I feel like teenagers, the longer you're in the care of your biological parents, the more loyalty you're going to feel towards them. Mm -hmm. And so the older the child is when they're coming into care, more likely it is that they're going to have challenges looking at you like they're your parent, Mm -hmm. you know, even with step parents, when you think about it, they're saying, uh, you're not my parent. I don't have to listen to you kind of thing. Very similar. Right. Yeah. And Chris, you mentioned that you were a foster parent there for 15 years. We were. Yeah. Um, And I always say I aged out. I just had a three-year-old. I couldn't push myself away from the tub anymore and stand up. Mm -hmm. So, but here's the other thing I would add. So of those kids that are going to come into foster care today, foster parents are no longer the big dog in the room. Most of them are going to go live with relatives, like about 42-3%. About 40% of kids in foster care live in a licensed foster home. And then 20% of them live in what's called congregate care or group homes, and especially for teenagers. So those kids who come to the placement center today, they may or may not stay with their sisters and brothers. They, you, they may or may not end up on the same side of town. They may or may not end up in the same school that they were in today when they were removed. So every single thing in a kid's life changes, as does every single thing in their caregiver's life. So if your grandma or your aunt Chris and the state calls you today and says, we have your three nieces and nephews, should we take them to the placement center? And I'm not sure what's going to happen. Or can we bring them to your house? And then they go, well, uh, I don't know. And largely they say, bring them to my house. But these are families who are unprepared. They don't have beds. They don't have clothes. They don't have beds. They don't have anything. And sometimes... Grandma and grandpa are on a fixed income. So we work with families at Arizona Friends. Oh, my gosh. I'm a 70-year-old great-grandmother raising my three-year-old. I'm a 68-year-old great-grandfather raising my four great-grandkids. 
So in the state, the state really, you know, whatever, the reimbursement rate for kinship caregivers is about a dollar a day. So they drop them off and they go, okay, here you go. <laughs> Good luck with that. And, and not that the reimbursement rate for no one's getting rich doing foster care is like $19 a day. But those 24 kids are going to end up in a group home. They're going to end up with grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles who may or may not be prepared. And then they'll end up in licensed foster families. So it's just a real, every kid's experience is different, but the, they share one thing. And that is they don't have any voice or any choice about what's going to happen next. So here you are, your brothers and sisters are here. When am I going to get to see them? Uh, we don't know. When am I going to get to visit my mom? Uh, we don't know. When am I going to, you know, all those things that happen to a kid, they are powerless mm -hmm. to impact. So I don't know. I can't think of a worse situation than those kids who are going to end up in foster care today and tomorrow and the right. next day. And you make a really good point. Um, the state of Arizona just uh, is really starting to focus on uh, the kinship providers. Mm -hmm. And we're really hopeful that there's there's some changes um, coming for the kinship providers because when they do take a child from their home, um, they do look for family members first mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, to the child's benefit because somebody that you know, it's, it's not as scary. It doesn't feel as unknown when you get to walk into your aunt's house and park, you know, there and sleep and, and become part of uh, their, their every day. You already know and love them. Versus having to go to somebody's home that's a complete stranger. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the things, um, Chris, that I want you to speak to a little bit is uh, some of the things, uh, you know, we're talking about the foster mom and the foster dad, but a lot of times they're coming into homes with, and there's already biological kids in the family, yeah. and they are already involved in, say, music lessons or flag football, or, uh, you know, maybe the family already had a, a trip planned to go to Disneyland, and then foster foster kid comes into home or foster siblings come into home, uh, they want to be able to incorporate their new foster kids right into their family and, and go along with what they're doing. So Chris, can you talk a little bit then about where your foundation comes in to help with that? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. So Arizona Friends was founded about 34 years ago uh, by two women who sat on a foster care review board. And they realized if you were a kid in foster care and you wanted to take a music lesson or and this particular first child that we served wanted to take a music lesson well there wasn't anyone to pay for that and even the landscape in foster care when we were founded 34 years ago was very different most kids lived with foster families they didn't live with relatives they didn't live in group homes so i feel like 34 years later when there really are so few, there's no resources for a kid in foster care who lives in a group home who wants to take that $400 trip to Catalina Island that every sixth grader takes, or who's living with grandma and grandpa who wants to be a gymnast or needs a tutor or wants to take a music lesson or all that stuff. You know, like when you look back on your childhood, you don't go, boy, I'm really happy someone fed me and clothed me, you say, I'm really happy I get to take music lessons or I got to do all that fun stuff. So Arizona Friends, that's what we do. We were founded to do that. And 34 years later, we're doing the same thing. 
And today I'll go back to my office and sign 130 some checks for water work, not water work, Hubbard Swim School or this gymnastics or that driver's ed or this prom dress or whatever. We just pay for the stuff so kids in foster care can have a childhood like everyone else. And you guys hit a pretty big milestone last year, didn't you? Was yeah. the last year the <laughs> first year? How, met, how much did you actually so, get to give away in scholarships? Last year, we gave away a million dollars. It's awesome. Yes. This year, we're hoping to give away a million and a half. So we really are aggressively trying to talk to caseworkers and licensing workers and foster parents and kinship caregivers and group home providers and anyone we can to say, if you are caring for a kid in the child welfare system, we should be doing something for that child. And you and and you know, there's there's a pretty impactful study that says if anyone can benefit from extracurricular activities, it's kids in foster care. So you need to think of something <laughs> to help that child have a better life and then let us pay for it. Just That's great. Like yeah. That. yeah. I just think it, it's one of those things, you know, but going back to when um, I, so my job when I worked for a foster care agency was I was kind of the first contact that they had with the agency. And I did, you know, the very first um, basically interview with them. Why do you want to do this and answer their questions and things like that? And, you know, a lot of times the question was, and they never really knew how to tactfully ask it, but was what are the resources? You know, I know I really want to do this, but it it was always, you know, usually it was wife was like, let's get going. And husband was like, wait a minute, how can, (laughs) how can we do this? So I always brought up your agency or your foundation and how that helped because a lot of the question was, we already have two or three kids and these are all the activities and we know how expensive that is. And we certainly don't want to bring a child in here and say, I'm sorry, but we can't afford to let you do these other things. So, so that's, you know, one of the things I always just thought was, um, was just such a great uh, resource out there for them. But kind of going back to what are some of the resources, Tamani, that you can speak to as far as, you know, the family coming in, wants to become a licensed foster family? What are some of the other resources that your agency specifically provides? Because I know it's much bigger than just, you know, licensing the family and giving them a kid and then saying, here, okay. <laughs> so I did the intake process, so just the same as you did yep. previously as well. So I know that process very well. Most of the resources that we're able to give to a family are external, mm-hmm. outside of that support and helping them through the process of licensure. We really, the biggest piece I feel like that is a resource for families is specific to the kinship families. We do what we call kinship navigation, if you will. We have a person that will help them get uh, hooked up with TANF, which is the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, help them get set up with food stamps if they qualify. When a child comes into DCS custody, they automatically, most times, there are a few caveats, but most times will automatically qualify for TANF like as a standalone. So the family that's caring for them, their income doesn't count towards that. And sometimes that process can get a little bit tedious for families because there's a different way to go through it. And family assistance workers don't always process through it correctly because they may not know that that's what they're supposed to be doing because the family is not giving the correct information. Anyways, we assist families to get those types of resources put in place. There's some small things that um, the state offers a kinship or grandparent stipend so they can get an additional $75 a month to help care for the children. But we start with that. If the family's eligible for licensure, though, we will definitely try to get them engaged with that process, specifically the kinship families, because they need that additional support and they don't understand the process. And when 
speaking to the kinship families, when you have an aunt or an uncle or grandparents that get that phone call and they're like, of course, these are the children that I've known and loved for like the last however many years, they can come here. Now, all of a sudden, not only are they taking care of the children, but they've got DCS involved, Department of Child Safety, and there's an attorney calling them and they don't know why. And then there's also a therapy appointment that they're supposed to make and, and they don't know where to start from that perspective. And then also they have to have a, a rapid response person come out within the first 72 hours. And there is like this plethora of mm-hmm. different things that start happening as soon as a child comes into DCS custody. So if you're not an uncle or a grandparent, you have no idea how that process works or what that system looks like. Completely lost. Mm-hmm. So we have that kinship navigation to help kind of start that process for them so that they can navigate through the entire system and understand what's happening. And then I noticed too, you have um, kind of switching gears a little bit here. You mentioned the Project Jigsaw. Project Jigsaw, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to hear a little bit more about that because again, that's something new to yes. me. And so glad that, again, that's another resource that you're, you're part of. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely. Project Jigsaw is a committee that was created with, uh, in collaboration with Equality Arizona and Arizona's Children Association. Essentially, what it is, is a subgroups of people that are committed to providing resources and education to the LGBTQ community. Uh, previously, there was such a huge myth, I think, within the community that you couldn't be a uh, foster care provider or adopt a child from foster care if you are a part of that community. Uh, Marriage equality did pass. And I feel like that uh, myth kind of dispersed a little bit with marriage equality passing because part of the, the law in Arizona was that preference had to be given to a married couple. So our role really is to assure that that the community knows that Arizona's Children's Association is an affirming agency and we genuinely want to engage as many people as possible that want to become parents. And so if that's the way that the LGBT community becomes parents is through foster care and adoption, we welcome that. Project Jigsaw is kind of an outreach, uh, grassroots type uh, organization or committee, if you will, that really just makes sure that, that we're out there talking to people and letting them know that this is a possibility. And, and we've, we've come up with a whole list of resources for uh, once that child is placed in your home. You know, that first 72 hours is pretty intense for families. And so mm-hmm. these are all the resources that you can tap into that are affirming, that are welcoming, and that are willing to like serve you in a way that is respectful. Great. Yeah, that's when I, when I saw that on your, your form that you filled out for me, so mm-hmm. I knew some things, some background information. I just thought that's, you know, that's great that that's, again, another um, resource that's out there. So, okay. So we've been talking a lot about you know, becoming a foster parent, what that looks like. But what about some of our listeners who are out there thinking, okay, not just is not going to be for me, but I do want to help in other ways. What are some ways that businesses are helping you? If you want to give some shout outs to some businesses that have been doing some great things for you, what are they doing for you? And if somebody else in the business community wants to get involved, what are some things that they can do to get involved maybe with your agency or your foundation or just for raising awareness for foster care in general and foster families out there? Well, boy, that's a great question. Business, so we have some really committed businesses who give to us year after year after year. Subaru of Chandler, um, Edson Salas Realty, Edson's our board co-chair and he runs our backpack drive. And this year, we hope to give away 6,000 backpacks 
to kids in foster care. So there are um, businesses that help us um, with money, you know, which we always can use money because <laughs> we're hoping to go away, give away a million and a half dollars and we're going to have to raise that. Yep. And in addition, um, we have this program called Keys to Success. And we work with kids who are 16 to 24 years old uh, with one-on-one career development and employment services. So it was really important to me when we started this program that we don't just teach a kid how to write a resume, but we have employment partners who will hire them. And we find employers who will hire them. Because when you turn 18 and they open the door of your group home and say, it's been nice knowing you and good luck, you need to have some money in the bank. You know what I'm saying? You need to have had a start on your job or career. So with that said, I would tell you that we have a really great partnership with Fry's Food Stores who has committed to hiring a hundred of our kids this year. Oh, wow. And I think that they're probably about halfway there. So when you shop in a Fry's, <laughs> thank them for being a keys to success sponsor and they'll and the cashier will go, I don't know what you're talking about, but maybe the kid bag in your groceries will <laughs> say, we'll know. that's yeah. me, I'm in keys to success. <laughs> so we don't do this in isolation. Right. We don't, you know, the state has taken custody of these children and we feel like it's everybody's responsibility to make sure that once a kid has that awful day and they come into foster care, that their life gets better, that things go better for them. And we have a role to play in that. And the lucky companies who support us in our work have a role to play in that too. So can how can companies get involved then maybe specifically with that Keys to Success program? Are you looking for new companies to be a always. part of that? Or? Oh, okay. Always. We're and what have, does that entail? Like what, if they, what so, should they be thinking um, about? They should be thinking about, um, do I have entry-level jobs for young men and women who are like between 16 and 24 years old? Do, do I, am I willing to take a risk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know what, to me, anyone who hires a 16-year-old, you're taking a risk no <laughs> matter Regardless of what. where they're coming from. So, <laughs> so um, you know, just am I... Am I interested in furthering the career goals of this young man or woman? Um, can I take a risk? Can I help them with meaningful work? And then on our half of the bargain is to support them when they start working. So to keep in touch with the youth, to keep in touch with the employer, not forever, but for a while till it works out. So we have about 82% of the kids in our Keys of Success program are employed. And because we started in August, I don't have a really grasp of how many 90 days or longer. But anecdotally, I'll tell you that we're going down that road. So, you know, it's the same thing, teenagers. One <laughs> step forward, two steps back, whatever. But, um, but, but we are really uh, committed to employment for the kids in our Keys of Success program. And we're interested in employers all over the valley. It's good if you're on a bus route um, who are interested in hiring kids who are going to age out of foster care. Yeah, that's great. What Change a unique, their lives. Yeah, what yeah. a unique program. I mean, there's, because I, I find as being a small business owner now that 
you know, a lot of times people, uh, I feel like business owners feel like, sure, I could write a check. Right. That's great. I understand that there's nonprofits out there and there's great causes out there and I could just write a check. But for some, that's not enough and they right. want to do more. And there is something more that they can do. They just don't know what it is yet. And right. so it's great when we can talk about programs like that, that really highlight, hey, it's not just about writing a check and there's a bigger impact you can actually make um, right. by being part of a program like Keys to Success. Shwani, right. yeah. um, do you want to talk a little bit about, again, um, what kind, how businesses can get involved and what sort of things they can do with you. And then do you want to touch a little bit on May? May's very special month here. So let's let's talk a little bit about that too. So actually, um, as Chris was talking, I was thinking about it. And I had tried to pull some statistics before I came out here. Because right now we are actively recruiting for foster parents that are willing to care for teens. There are over 15,000 kids in care right now. And out of those 15,000, 3,500 of them or more than 3,500 of them are teenagers. And the teenagers are the ones most inherently that live in group homes or what we call congregate care. Essentially, that means that they don't have a primary caregiver on a regular basis. They have a staff member that takes care of them, whether it be a shelter or a foster, uh, group home or, excuse me, some type of a facility. Um, so, what we're really focusing on right now is trying to find those people that are are excited about or wanting to care for teenagers mm-hmm. that aren't afraid of that. If you're absolutely not ready for foster care and that scares you and you're like, no, I'm not ready for that commitment. There's other ways you can get involved. Arizona's Children's Association has a mentorship program as well. So if the teenager, you know that you can build a relationship with a teenager and want to get involved, you can get involved that way. Uh, still be important to a teenager, still have like that stability that they are a person that they can go to. The biggest thing for the teenagers is that they don't have one person that they can go to for their firsts. There be a first kiss or, you know, the first time that they get to drive the car or, you know, the first dance, that they don't have a, a one single person that's there to listen about all those firsts that they're going through closer to adulthood, for, adulthood versus those firsts that you have like first step, you know, when they're much younger. So that's one way that you can get involved. I feel like as a whole, obviously, you can always do the money pitch because we are a nonprofit organization. More than anything else, I feel like Arizona's Children has, but you can always donate outside of monetary items. We do drive every February with American Furniture Warehouse. They've been phenomenal with ABC 15 as well, the collaboration of the two, where we do accept donations through American Furniture Warehouse to create what we call Just For Me bags. And the Just For Me bags consist of things that kids wouldn't necessarily remember to take with them when they leave the home so quickly toothbrush, deodorant, uh, depending on the age of the child, the, the bag will consist of those items. So baby wipes, if you're looking at an infant that was uh, removed and put into care or something more age appropriate for like a book or something like that. Um, each bag does contain a blanket, a book and a journal. So the thought really is, is that, you know, depending on the age of the child, that journal really can be a space for them to um, really put down some of their thoughts. And one of our foster parents actually told the story through that process in February where it became um, more of a back and forth between him and the foster child where it was a conversation. There wasn't conversations that the child was willing to have in person. And it really wrote it out. Yes. I felt like that was such a phenomenal idea with the journal Mm -hmm. that it becomes more of a, you know, I am not really willing to sit down and talk about this, but this is how I'm feeling. And it really worked well for that family. And I thought the journal uh, idea was phenomenal for that. So May is Foster Care Appreciation or Awareness Month. And so uh, along with that, we're really doing a lot of recruiting 
for foster parents that are willing to care for teenagers, as well as um, kind of just getting the, the word out there. We've got some partnerships that we're working with, uh, different churches and stuff that are going to allow us to come in and do some presentations in regards to uh, the teenagers and, and trying to dispel some of those myths mm-hmm. so that foster families or people that are interested in becoming a foster family or wanting to grow a family uh, through foster care and adoption, that they're not so afraid of the teenagers. Has 3,500 or more than 3,500 kids in congregate care is a lot. And and if you want to move away from the feeling side of it, like that's a lot of kids in congregate care. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at the state cost and those things as well. So if you're really looking at like how you can help, helping out a teenager is like the best way to go right now. Right. Well, and I was just thinking when you were talking about the churches and things that you're partnering with, you know, a lot of times the most difficult thing to to uh, resource to find is just space. Yes. So if you are trying to do, get the word out in person, there's only so much you can do in writing. There's only so many brochures or pamphlets or social media posts or emails that you can do about it. A lot of times, especially with this type of this type of service, it's really something that you know, it makes such a bigger impact in person. If you can, you know, be able to to share that message in person, do that Q and A, um, maybe even you know, meet, uh, depending on how the um, program grows. Even maybe being able to meet a teen that had been in foster care. Uh, a lot of times, you know, those are some of the best stories to actually hear. Is how they're, you know, come again full circle. The teen was in foster care, and now they're back out there trying to um, raise awareness. So again, I try to tell you know businesses when they say, "I really want to give back, but I just I don't have a lot of money to give back," or you know, I don't want to just write a check. I always say, you know, look for other creative ways that you can give back. Maybe there's somebody out there who just needs some office space that you can help them out with. Or, you know, maybe there's a backpack drive that you can do within your um, within your office. You know, I know a lot of companies, you know, especially larger companies like to do it, you know, com- uh, competition between departments who can bring in the most backpacks, who can bring in the most, you know, toys, who can bring in the most toothbrushes, those types of things. Along those lines, Chris, any anything special going on for May and National Foster Care Month that um, the foundation is going to be a part of? So, as I said, we are really trying to give away a million and a half dollars this year, and that's a 50% increase. So, our uh, campaign that kicks off in May is We Fund Fun. So, pretty soon we'll have a website, wefundfun.com. And we are really trying to engage uh, caregivers to look at summer activities uh, to benefit the kids in their care and then uh, come to us to pay for them. So our Foster Care Awareness Month activity is wefundfun.com. That's exciting. That's pretty cool. No, yeah, yeah I will. <laughs> and it is because, um, and I, I was on your website not too long ago. It's so much fun to even just look on the website and see the types of opportunities that can be that that come in and that can be funded. You yeah. know, it's not just you know a, a sports activity or being able to get the kids in um, swim lessons, but there's some other have been some other fun requests as well. Like, yeah. what would you say is probably one of the most fun requests to have, to have fulfilled? Oh, oh. <laughs> I put you on the spot there. No, I have a. <laughs> I, you know what? I have a terrible. I mean, whatever. We have this new fund for kids who are 18 to 21 in post-secondary education mm-hmm. to pay for the kind of expenses that derail your 
college career or your vocational career. So remember when you were in college and your car broke down and you're like, mom, I need some money to help me with my car repair or I can't afford to eat or I didn't get to work this week because I was studying for finals. So I'm short to pay my cell phone bill, whatever, whatever. And for a kid in foster care with nobody to call, that can like just be the reason they quit school. So I will um, not name this business, but I would love to, who took a young lady's $850 car repair bill and turned it into a $2,600 loan for her to pay off in one year because she couldn't afford her car repair bill. Mm. So they were like, oh, well, we'll finance it, blah, 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 $2,600. So I would say lately, that was the most awesome thing that we got to do was to call that company and go, "Uh, we'd like to pay that bill and we'd like you to up that contract. And they did. And she's driving her car and she gets to stay in school. So here's what I would say. We're also paying for some basketball camp for some kid. I don't know. He's going to the pros because it costs a fortune. He's in a private private basketball club. Uh And you know, you can So that's way outside of our limits. It's way outside of anything you would read on our website that we will pay for. And I just would tell you that um, apply, apply. If you if you don't know, should I apply? Should I not do it? And then you know what? The worst we can say is no. But really, we are we like to say our default answer is yes. So um, so yeah, there's just a lot of opportunity for kids in foster care. Great. And if somebody wants to donate to any of those, yes. they can easily do so. <laughs> what, what's your website? I know we'll have this all at the end, and we'll put it in print during the um, when we get this posted online, but. Really uh, quickly, what is the website if somebody wants to go to the website and learn about um, being maybe becoming involved in Keys to Success or donating? Awesome. So thank you, Jacqueline. Our website is AFF, like Frank, Frank, C like cookie, F like Frank.org, AFFCF. Great. And they can learn about everything, everything right there. Everything we do. Right. Yeah. And okay. And how about for Arizona's? Children's Association. I had a hard time filling out your thing online because I had so many of them. And I was like, which ones do I pick? (laughs) Arizona's Children's Association.org is the main website that we have. If you're looking for information, looking for ways to get involved, it'll take you to all the other like sub categories, if you will. If you go to Arizona's Children's Association or Arizona's Children.org. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, We also, with the campaign that we're doing and trying to recruit families that are willing to care for teenagers, we have created a website called Teens Need You, all spelled out, teensneedyou.org. So if you're looking to uh, get more information and you'd like to contact us that way in regards to parenting a teenager, there's that uh, website as well. And then Facebook and uh, Twitter has Project Jigsaw, uh, as well as Arizona's Children Association. So if you're just looking to kind of follow us, get some more information, aren't running a like commit, uh, statistics actually say that it takes somebody seven times mm-hmm. to hear about foster care before they'll actually make a commitment to it. Right. So it's really just about getting the information out there, having the conversations, opening the doors so that people are uh, getting the information, asking the questions. Uh, what's the first step? Mm-hmm. They have to attend an orientation. So the orientation is simply information. So if you just are looking for more information and aren't ready to make a commitment yet, by all means, you can just engage us and, and we'll get you the information that you need. If you're looking to just kind of find a way to get involved and don't really want to uh, make that commitment, there's lots of other ways. It's just, I mean, donations doesn't have to just be monetary. We take volunteers all the time. If you're looking to just volunteer your time or become 
a mentor for the kids. Mm -hmm. We do have an event every year called Dancing for Arizona's Children. Kind of a spinoff of... Uh, <laughs> of something else that yes. kind of sounds like that. <laughs> yes. yes. So Dance Stars uh, in Arizo of Arizona. I think it's Dance Stars might not be of Arizona. The gentleman that owns that does the preparation for that every year. Oh, wow. And that's a huge fundraiser for our agency. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to do something more fun, yeah. but don't necessarily want to just <laughs> give the money, yeah. and you're like, hey, I've always been interested in professional dancing, but yeah. never really put the time and energy into doing the lessons. Uh, you will get those lessons. So if you're looking to make a commitment differently, if you do become a dancer for that event, you would kind of commit to trying to raise a certain amount of money as well uh, through your friends and family. Uh, fun. But it's a lot of fun. The event yeah. is a lot of fun. There's always um, kids that do a little dance routine beforehand. And then everybody honestly just comes up with their own theme for their dance. Mm -hmm. And so it really genuinely is a lot of fun. Oh, wow. I really feel like that's another way that somebody could get involved uh -huh. um, if they weren't quite sure about just giving money or actually committing to a child. Right. I like it just because it's unique. It's, mm -hmm. a di it's something different. You know, it, then let's go sit down for another you know, dinner or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's a really fun way for people to get involved. Like you said, yes. um, the more ways that you can come up with some creative ways for people to give back, I always try to say, you know, try think outside the box, you know. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned social media a little while ago too. Mm -hmm. So I'd be remiss if, you know, marketing person here, I didn't say one of the things I try to tell people again, where if you're, you know, baby steps, you don't know where to start, you really want to help out an organization follow them on social media mm -hmm. and share their information. Chris, I know your organization is really great. I follow um, on Instagram is really great about posting updates on Keys to Success. I think just the other day you had a little gentleman on there who just graduated. Yeah. or Yeah. And I just, I love following those types of things. I love sharing them. And sometimes people don't realize what an impact that makes, but it really does. It makes a big impact. If you see an organization online and they share something, that touches your heart, share it with your audience, share it with your followers too. And same thing with companies. You know, there's been times where I love to share, you know, give shout outs to different organizations that I feel are doing something great in the community. So another really simple way takes, you know, two seconds of your time. It's a really great way. It shows your support and it helps spread the word because again, that's where, you know, right. that's where it all starts. It starts with spreading that word and spreading the awareness and getting the message out. Yep. I don't think there's a foster parent in our agency that hasn't heard of, of Arizona Friends of Foster Children because it is really genuinely um, a huge support for the foster mm -hmm. families. Thank you. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies. Well, I'm going to go ahead and um, wrap up our show today. Thank you both so much. This was so great. Oh, Chris, it was great to kind of catch up with you um, in a way and then just learn about some of the new resources that are out there because, you know, Chris, you, you went you spoke to it um, so well. There really is so much out there that as a community, whether you are a business owner or you just, you know, you have money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or even if you don't have a lot of money, I, you know, I try to tell people again is you, it doesn't mean you have to give $250 or $1,000 or it, it sometimes people feel like, well, if I can't give that kind of money, then it just doesn't make a difference at all. And I would say, you know, if you could give $10 a month to an agency and set that up, send, send in the $10 a month, it really adds up. But um, again, it just, it takes a, a community of people to really help and um, get the word out and make a difference. 
And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up today. So again, thank you so much, ladies. Um, You've been listening to 3C Amplified, where twice a month we share um, share how others are connecting, creating and collaborating, and how you can be part of something greater. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline DeStremps with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a marketing strategy to put your company and mission in front of your target audience.